you're listening to the iRacer Lounge podcast, featuring all your latest iRacing news, driver interviews, race reviews, opinions, discussions, rumors, and much more. Now here's your host, Mike Ellis, and Sim Racing Chewy Side. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I am your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is the podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Chewyside55, Carlos, Brad Wren, and Brad Miller. How you doing, guys? Doing, doing good. good. In stereo there. <laughs> so I'll start off uh, tonight with the uh, Peak Race, the Peak Antifree Series. Uh, actually, they didn't race, uh, and they're not going to until June 29th, and that'll be at Chicagoland, so... Uh, we'll talk about that when that uh, comes up and goes on by. Did have the uh, 2016 iRacing World Championship Grand Prix uh, this past weekend. It was at uh, Imola. Um, looked like Martin Kroenke won. Uh, what didn't seem to be much information available. I couldn't find the uh, the normal um, the recap video um, that's normally posted. So. But uh, just like with the peak antifreeze, um, after this race, they're going to go into their summer break for a couple weeks. So we'll have a couple weeks before we have any more of the uh, Grand Prix races. Yeah, the checkered flag uh, flew and the laptop fell to the ground and they were done, right? Vacation. Yeah. Um, like I said, couldn't find much. Kind of looked at the forums and um, a little bit of discussion about the race, but uh not much more other than a few people, you know, giving some accounts about good race, bad race. But uh, looks like it was probably just a typical Grand Prix race. Yep. Yeah, I looked around a little bit, too, and didn't see much. I was kind of surprised by that. I did see a Twitter from the team that won uh, mentioning, you know, the winner, of course. So, uh, cool. Uh, this week in NIS, we were off getting ready for Sonoma and uh, what did you guys do on your week off I ended up running some truck races some a fix some a open uh, and lost a lot of I rating but had fun took it as a week just to kind of relax a little bit uh, didn't do much um, just kind of goofed around if I decided to to get on the rig and uh, Actually ran a GT3 race last night, so that's the first one of those I've ran uh, probably close to, I don't know, seven, seven or eight months. So uh, enjoyed the off week, and uh, don't get another one till August, and that'll be the last one till we uh, shut it down in November. Yeah, I also uh, took advantage of the off week and didn't actually do any iRacing I, that I could recall. So uh, it's been really hot here. It's like 120 yesterday here in Phoenix, so uh, just trying to survive the heat and uh, getting in the hot rig in front of the 27-inch monitors, it gets pretty warm, even with uh, the AC on. So, yeah, no, it was nice to that it coincided with Father's Day and stuff. So it was uh, made for a nice weekend, and not to worry about you know trying to work on setups or any of that stuff, or try to squeeze a last race in. Well, like you said, it's uh, the calm before the storm here as we uh, head towards you know the chase uh, in Richmond and and so forth. Uh, no breaks until August. Yep. Start the summer swing. 
Yeah, and with Sonoma coming up, just on our small team, there are people that are licking their chops waiting for Sonoma, going, oh, boy. And then there's people on our team going, oh, no. Yeah, I'm oh, no. <laughs> Brad's one of those. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Keep it on the pavement. Yep. So uh, let's talk a little bit Sonoma, uh, you know, looking forward. Um, you guys had told... He told everyone on the team, get some laps there in this car because it's quite different with the, the downforce package we're running and so forth. And uh, Can you guys talk about that? I mean, I didn't get any laps. I know some of you did. I like Carlos probably share, but it's just hard to find grip. I mean, you really have to be patient on the throttle. Um, just there's no grip. <laughs> there's none at all. <laughs> it's like it was last year in a way, but worse. Yeah, I think the my key is keep it on the pavement, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, when you look at Sonoma versus Watkins Glen, I mean, historically, Sonoma is a less grippy track to begin with. So now you go ahead and add in the low, lower downforce. Um, yeah, I think it's just it's made it very difficult. So got to keep it on the pavement and hopefully, you know, get a good finish. Well, there's like maybe three places on the track where the downforce comes into play. But other than that, you're still having to manage your rear wheels. Yeah. I mean, I can't, uh, I don't even want to try to think about if we weren't, uh, if, you know, if we had the full horsepower, if they weren't running the, uh, you know, with the engine package where it's basically detuned a little bit, it would be even more uh, frustrating. Right. Yeah. And even, even trying to go into the turns when you think, okay, I need to hit my brakes about here. Yeah, you better back that up about 30 yards or something because it's, it's, it's a lot more challenging. Well, you got to find the limit of brakes and stay on it and keep it there. Try not to go over that because you'll lock them up right away, especially in the stupid fixed brake bias. 69%. It's way too much. Like, seriously, you can feel like, especially going into one, you get on the brakes and the thing straightens out. Because it won't turn. Okay, so question here. I mean, whoever's making the set, Ray Alfala, David Cater, I don't even know who does them. I mean, don't they think that the brake bias is too much, too? I mean, we're all screaming about it. I mean, how come they have it so high? Well, I think it's part of the nature of trying to make a setup that I don't want to say is difficult to drive, but I I don't know. Sometimes I just I don't understand the the theory behind the fixed setups. Yeah, easy to drive, but not, you know, you don't want to lock the back tires every time you get into the braking. With the front, front. right. Yeah, I mean, you come into the hairpin and it just chatters. I mean, it's just the whole way. So, let's talk brakes real quick. The way that Carlos breaks for a corner is quite different from the way that Brad Wren breaks for a corner. I mean, do you think you have an advantage, Brad, because you have a hydraulic? Um, to a degree, not with this setup. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, if I can tune the car to, to my liking, yes. I, I believe with, a, you know, with, with high-end pedals and with hydraulics, it's much easier you know, to find the threshold breaking point, you know, because it's like a, any real car. Once you get into hydraulics, you know, it, it's, it becomes muscle memory. Um, 
versus positional memory, you know, that you get, say, with a G27 or something like that. Right. Carlos, what do you think? Are you a disadvantage or? Oh, hell, I don't know. I just. You're pretty quick around there, so. I think for me, no matter what, I'd probably be running the same way. (laughs) Or, you know, just get used to the track in a certain way. Right. Yeah, you're just quick. Yeah, I think familiarity has a lot to do with it because I got these new pedals, these uh, V3s, right before Bristol. And uh, I put my G27 pedals back on because I did not want to uh, try to learn something new at Bristol. Right. Where, you know, where braking is a, is a lot. So that's it's just personal preference I think but I think once you get used to something and and you're more familiar with it the better you get with it well you can see Mike Mike is one of those ones that has a hydraulics and his shows and a lot of braking tracks like Phoenix you know Martinsville he's able to just throw it in there much further let's say that I can yeah I, I find a, a little advantage in it but yeah that advantage sometimes turns into you're overdriving the car because of that. You, you know, you think you're, you're doing something good, but you're actually overdriving, which is actually bad. And I would agree with that. All right, well, let's move on. Uh, the next topic was uh, the Rubens Barrichello Challenge. We talked about that in the last podcast, but it happened. Uh, and uh, Race Spot put up on their Facebook uh, uh, the last lap, which is amazing. So go check that out. And uh, it's like a three-way battle between between Rubens himself, uh, Vitor Gins, and Bruno Do Carmo. And uh, it's quite a finish there, you know, as these three battle it out for the for the win. Um, this is what we want real Formula One to look like. Is what these guys are doing. Yeah, I think what were they using the Formula Renault cars? Yeah, the yeah the new one. Yeah, I just think it's neat that uh, you know you can you get the real guys that will you know it was you know he chose to use iRacing racing as a platform to you know raise awareness and then I guess raise some money um, you know for his foundation or, or charity or whatever it is. I just think that's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, forty four hundred views so far on that video. So a lot of people see that. Yeah, and I think I mentioned, you know, in the last podcast, uh, you know, Rubens has been a, a sim racer for, for many years, so it's nothing, this is nothing new for him. He's been doing it for quite a while. Yep. Uh, what other sports star are we going to talk about here? Actually, a pretty neat article popped up uh, this week about uh, NFL lineman Ricky Lumpkin. Um, I believe is vying for a spot with the Colts. But um, apparently, is a uh, diehard sim racer by night. Um, so his, uh, I'm trying to picture this really, really big guy in a Oboto cockpit like I've got. But uh, uh, Ricky's big dude, and um, but really enjoys uh, esports. Um, and one of the quotes out of the article says, "If you're not competitive, it's not for you." Lumpkin said, "There's nothing wrong with that. It's not for everybody." But if you're a true competitive person, if you like to compete, esports is where it's at. You get some of the best competition out there, young and old. Um, so, you know, I think anybody, any professional athlete, first of all, is going to be very competitive. I think it's pretty neat to see, um, you know, him 
carry that competitiveness on into the uh you know into the sim world like the rest of us yeah i like that i mean it's a big endorsement because uh, a guy that's so competitive in F- nfl you know and he's sitting down and racing us and and he's getting that same competitive feel that he gets on the field you know that says a lot about what's going on with esports and sim in general you know yeah you know, if, if people have asked me, you know, why why do I do this? You know, as being someone who used to race, you know, th- there's nothing like the thrill of racing, and uh, this is as close as I can get to, you know, to that that same adrenaline rush that I got when I did it for real. So it's a, uh, you know, if you're a competitive person, um, you know, everything becomes a competition. My wife jokes with me all the time that, uh, you know, I can turn anything into a competition. So if if you're a competitive person and you want to win, you know, any sort of esports, but especially if you're into racing, you know, I think our racing is where it's at. Yeah, pretty cool. And uh, we got another real athlete uh, who uh, had an interview about sim racing this week. Oh, uh, that would be uh, Lewis Hamilton talking about simulators and stuff. I was I was reading up on some of the stuff he says and some of the things that he says. I don't know that I totally one hundred percent agree with. He says I don't drive simulators a lot because it's not part of the best movement. Uh, working on trying to make it better. I. I these guess are, he, these he, quotes are hard to read because when he says simulator, you, he's talking about Mercedes' official team training simulator that costs multi millions. Yeah, yeah. But if you yeah. look at you look at the video, it's to me it looks just like R Factor Pro, and I, I don't see much difference between that and what you know. I think the video they showed was um, oh. Sepang, maybe uh, whatever the track it was, you know, it looks just like the the regular version that came with R Factor. You can kind right. of see the, you know, heads up display there. The, it looks just like, as you said, something that come out of ISI. You know, but at the same time, too, I mean, in his defense, um, you know, if, if you've been doing it long enough, it becomes second nature. You know, even I think about our racing. You know, for the guy that's never gone to a course before, I think it's ideal. To someone who's been who's who's been there, been you know racing the same courses for multiple years, you know, you know the track. It's not it's not that um, it's probably not as helpful. You know, to someone who's who's been doing it long enough. Yeah, I think I actually read the wrong quote that I really didn't agree with. And he says, there's a difference between driving a simulator and driving the real thing. You have no emotion. <laughs> I I can tell him he's nuts. I mean, yeah, driving a real car is probably a whole lot more emotion. But, hey, we've finished a lot of races and a lot of us on our team alone are just like, man, I'm sweating my guts out. My hands hurt because I was gripping the steering wheel so hard. I'm shaking. Yeah, you I've had you, winds where I walk away. I'm literally shaking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I won that Daytona 500, and I know I woke my wife up screaming, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, eh, no, I didn't win uh, the Spanish Grand Prix or anything, but to me it was a big deal. 
Yeah, and, and I think it. I think you see the difference, you know, in the way people approach, you know, especially sim racing. You know, whether you're approaching it from the gamer side to where I just hit the reset button and I can go again, you know, or you approach it from the simulation side, you know, like I do. I take it very serious. You know, when I'm competing, I, I want to drive my best, but I'm, you know, I'm not going to get into somebody. I'm not out there to, you know, I will wreck myself before I end up trying to, you know, before I wreck somebody else. And, um, you know, I mean, I understand what he's saying about the emotion side, but, you know, to, to some of us that will never have the opportunity to strap into a Formula One car or for those that never had the opportunity to get into a race car, you know, I've been blessed and was able to do it. You know, that's this is all that some people will ever have. So I think there's definitely emotion in there. Um, to the professional guy, I can almost see it to where it's just, okay, I got to go through the routine. And, he, you know, one thing he got to talk about is more on the engineering side. And that that's true. I mean, the engineers do get a lot out of this stuff. But, um, you know, again, it's Lewis Hamilton. So it's, yeah, it's kind of weird. He He's kind of weird I'll, anyway. Yeah, and I'll paraphrase something I read about in an article was, you know, I can go to play the PlayStation and get, you know, learn the same amount. You know, and comparing it, he was comparing the PlayStation, that, you know, version of some racing game to, you know, the Mercedes multi-million dollar, you know, simulator. That's kind of scary, though. I mean, that's, that's you know, I, I've have tried to try to find out, you know, more information as far as, but the simulations become very big in the NASCAR side and trying to really get an idea of what these guys are using because, you know, each, each manufacturer has their own simulation software and hardware and all that stuff. So it's, I, you know, I'd like to try to find us more information as far as the NASCAR side to see what the difference is between, you know, different, um, um, not genres, but different disciplines of racing as far as the, the, the simulation side. Yep. It's interesting stuff, for sure. There's lots of money being spent. I mean, especially, like you said, you just take the NASCAR side, there's no testing anymore. So, you know, most, they, you know, every team is running their car through the simulation before they go to the track. That's how they're getting their base set up in there is, is what the simulation is telling the engineers. So, you know, it's what's being used on a Right, they're basis. bolting shocks and springs onto it before they load it onto the truck. Yeah, going on a seven post shaker rig, they run it through a simulation and, you know, it's supposedly every bump, it's pitching the car to the angles or whatever. So that's how they're, that's how they're setting these cars up now. And that's why you see when teams come off a truck quick versus the teams that don't have all this engineering resource, they're scrambling trying to find speed as opposed to Jimmy Johnson or somebody else who's coming off, you know, and is immediately fast. Well, let me ask you this. How do they find the, are they doing ride heights, you know, because the downforce or the air pushing the car down, you know, compresses the shocks. How do you do ride heights? Um, it's similar. The pull-down rigs simulate all that. You know, but the first runs they go out and do, you know, the, the, the first few laps they do, they go out to check heights, make sure they're not hitting splitter and stuff like that. Of course, it's going to change a little bit. You know, that's typically the first two or three-lap run. Let's make sure we're not dragging and blah, blah, blah. So you're and, saying the rig pulls it down, too? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. So it's simulating that downforce and compression. Yeah, it's uh, it's big money, but, I mean, that it's not Bubba and Joe building a car in the garage anymore. It'll never be like that again. Right. Interesting stuff. Uh, well, Lewis Hamilton. I don't know if I'm particularly a fan, but uh, moving on, um, I decided to renew my membership with iRacing for two years. Uh, I spent $134. I used the promo code uh, listed on the website. 
and uh, it's right on the front page of the members website when you log in, so you can't miss it. Uh, but you got to put in that code uh, and hit apply uh, to get the reduced amount. And uh, yeah. I did ask, uh, if you recall last week, I was asking about the uh, 50% discount that they usually offer around 4th of July and also Black Friday at Thanksgiving. And there's been no answer from iRacing that I've seen at all about that. So this particular sale ends June 30th. And so I just pulled the trigger and decided to do it, you know. So I did my renewal for two years, and I think I was good through December anyway. So I got uh, two and a half years. Yeah, I'll do mine before the end of the month. So I've already planned to do it. I'm rolling the dice. Yeah, well, looking for the I, 50. I'm going to do it. You know, my guess is, and Mike, you know, you touched on it last time too. My guess is they'll probably do this again. This will be the new 50% off. You know, it's not 25% off, but this will end up being the new deal that they'll probably do around, um, you know, Black Friday or whatever. So I'm just going to go ahead and pull the trigger and do it, get it done. Yeah, I mean, this is very close to the Ju- July 4th date that they traditionally have done it before. Uh, June 30th, July 4th, real close. And you're right. Maybe this will be, you know, let's do a 25% on Black Friday and, uh, and call it done. Again, it's cheap. For a hobby, it's cheap. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm planning on doing it. Okay. What about the rest of you? Carlos? What? Are you are you good on your renewals and stuff? Or? No, it's, um, I'm rolling on dice. I'm hoping this comes around later in the year. Yeah, Black Friday is traditionally when they do it, so... At least yeah. more money, then I'll do it. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they will. So, well, they should have some more money because they announced that uh, Lamar is coming uh, to racing later in the year. Um, they released a really cool video last week um, with a nice sit-down talk with five-time 24 Hours of Lamar champion Frank Baila. I think I said that right, Bela, um, about the highly anticipated track and about his experiences with iRacing. And if you had a chance to watch the video, um, one, it's just great to watch you know any video footage of Lamont, but you know, he spends a lot of time talking about speeds and stuff like that, and then gets into talking a lot about iRacing and as an iRacer himself to team aspect to working with guys for endurance races and uh, really, really cool video um, that I'm glad that they put together. Not to mention we got to see some great footage of Lamont also. I, I did watch this as well, and um, I was surprised that Frank Biela is an iRacer. I had no idea. But he he's very involved in iRacing, and he's in a team, like you said, and and he was talking about the team, the new team racing aspect in iRacing where, you know, if you're the guy who goes out and crashes the car, you, you feel bad for the other, you know, team members, you know, that they're going to have to drive a broken car, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. And, and he talks about the emotion behind that. And it's very similar to what he feels in the real race car when he's racing at Le Mans. Yeah, Carlos could tell us about what it feels like <laughs> to wreck it. And we could tell you, I could tell you what it feels like to where you can't get back in it. <laughs> Hell, I I did both the last big endurance races. I wrecked the car in both races, except I killed it in Sebring. Everyone knows that hour and seven minute repair. Pretty sure they had to cut me out of the car. Yeah, but it was really cool though to 
you know, to hear him talk about it as someone who's, you know, again, a real racer as, you know, on race teams, handing cars off and stuff like that. And then he gets the same emotion out of it. And, uh, you know, to be able to do an endurance race, whether you're a big road racer or not, whatever, it's really cool, though, to, to know that you've got to protect that car because you're going to give it to the guy behind you, you know, and you know you got to get back in that car. So you're hoping that those guys behind you are going to do the same thing that you did. Yeah. It was very interesting. If you're into endurance racing at all, you should definitely check this video out. Well, and, and even aside from that, just the team aspect, you know, I thought a lot about us, you know, Typhosi Racing, about, you know, the amount of time that we spend working on setups and doing stuff like this to get prepared for a week. And it's really, it's a team, you know, it's a whole group of us that work together in order to make this happen. And, and we see the results and we all can benefit from it. But, uh, you know, it's it's no different than what the real guys do. Um, you know, I think when we enter, when we had, the guys, I think, from one up. I mean, you've heard a lot about all the work that they put into it. You know, is it a game? Yes. But this is, you know, it's it's a simulation. It's it's the same things apply in the real world that do in the virtual world as far as team aspects and all that stuff. We just well, have can, to be sitting it's in our living serious, room. Serious yeah. simulate. Yeah, I mean, we had to be sitting in our living room as opposed to sitting in a race car. That's really the only difference. Right. Yeah, this is uh, the... Coming up on the uh, six hours of the Glen, coming up this weekend, practice and qualifying. It'll start tonight. I just checked uh, the iRacing page. Those rooms are not up yet, but I'd say it will be in the next 30 minutes. But this will be my first uh, race where people are going to be getting in a car behind me and it, it, it I, I do find that it's putting a little bit of pressure on me I've, I've actually thought about it quite a bit you know when we race if I wreck then I just screwed myself <laughs> and now if I wreck I can be affecting a whole lot of other people's afternoon yep and you just got to keep it on the pavement man uh, don't worry about being fast some of us have already been uh, practicing earlier this week and uh, running some pretty close times, I think. Having yeah. fun, working some setups out. And uh, now, what configuration of the Glen are, are you running? It's the boot. Boot. Yep, you have the bus stop, but you have the back end, too. That's boot? I don't know. Yeah, it's the full full course, so you'll have the bus stop, you know, along with the boot and everything, so. Well, the other one's called, what, the classic boot? Yeah, yeah. the cla That's classic the... boot just takes the bus stop out. Yep. Yeah, anything that's this classic, no bus stop, so I'd rather have it, you know, with the bus stop. Cool. So, uh, that's coming up Saturday, right, is the, when you guys are going to run that event, but there's more than one running of the six-hour I think it's four, what, four times slots now for a lot of the races? Yeah, I think there's basically, if you look at it, East Coast times, there's, a, <clears throat> I guess, a Friday night, two on Saturday, and then another one on Sunday, maybe even two on Sunday, one late Sunday night. So there's there's quite a few. I don't know. I still see, if anything, give us two times slots, not four. That seems like it's too yeah. many to me. I mean, with an endurance race, it's yeah. just long. It kind of just takes away some of the mentality of make sure the car survives instead of, oh, if we wreck, we can might as, well, might as well just jump into another race. Yeah, we'll just toss it and go to the next split or the next running, yeah. 
Yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, the first few that they did, you know, there was maybe the one or two and you were done. So uh, to me, that it was definitely, you know, made it a lot uh, more enjoyable. But if you guys remember, you know, they had a lot of site issues, stability issues. And I think that's probably why they're doing that now. That's true. And even, and even then, it really kind of, you know, the other time slots don't have as many people or teams competing, so it still comes down to, you know, the usual 9 a.m. or 1 p.m. deals are the most busy, you know, time slots. Yeah, and I think, you know, especially with the 24-hour races, to me, they ought to be even more limited because it's easy to, you know, you can work out a team better, even if you've got to work with people across the pond or whatever, you know, it's it's going to be daylight or nighttime somewhere in that clock, you know, around the world. doesn't matter, you know, who's doing it. Yep. All right. Uh, moving on, let's talk about reported issues. Uh, I found a forum post where somebody reported the IndyCar DW12 it does not have a fuel tank of any kind. Um, and they like posted pictures of the car and stuff. And sure enough, you can see the hole where the filler goes in, but there's nothing inside there. And it's like hollowed out. So it kind of looks strange. And uh, iRacing acknowledged it and they're going to fix it. Was this their attempt to, uh, to recreate Formula E or anything? Trying to get rid of fuel mileage races? Yeah. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> apparently we're, uh, back to dealing with the, uh, the DDoS attack. So, um, there was a Twitter post back on the 13th of June, um, with that from my race and talking about that they were dealing with a number of attacks again. Um, so and there was multiple posts about it. And, um, one of the posts, uh, talked, says, uh, I remind everyone here that there is a reward, you know, again, for any information that leads, um, to finding out who's doing these. Um, and they went on to talk, you know, as far as about what's the purpose of a DDoS. Um, it says the D stands for distributed, and that means it's coming from hundreds or thousands or more computers, means it's pretty hard to trace. Uh, but because the computers are doing the attack, uh, might not be from the same continent and so forth. Right. So I wanted to, I mean, this was interesting to me because an iRacing staff member basically said there is an, a reward for information leading to, you know, who's doing this. And also, uh, Steve Myers on Twitter alluded to the same thing, um, that he was looking for the community to uh, cough this guy up, so to speak. Yeah. Um, you know, and some one of, the, one of the members, you know, posted on there, and I think one of the staff members said they were going to steal it. But they said, think of it like this. That guy wants to stop you from being able to use your cell phone, so he pays a 1,000 people one cent each to call your phone at a certain time. You might, you might know every phone number that called you, but not the person who paid those people to make the call in the first place. So that's how hard it is to track this down. Um, and apparently, you know, um, Brad, that. Iris even thinks that this may be pretty specific. Yeah, it, 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 they interviewed him, and a few answers were yes, iRacing is the target. Yes, we know that countries, uh, the attacks originated and changes, uh, utilize blocking at the country and IP levels. Uh, 
really a lot of this is I don't know how you would catch them unless you are just somebody that really 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 is smart with the IP addresses and stuff like that which I guess there are people at iRacing and those kind of levels that know but for the average racer I, I wouldn't have any kind of answers for them. Well, I think what they're looking for as far as from us, you know, is if anybody knows of anybody doing this. So apparently they obviously believe that this is, um, you know, that iRacing is the target specific. And it may even be a member doing it, um, you know, that's behind the attack. So, you know, we talked in previous podcasts that, you know, they've said they've spent as much as six figures, you know, just on infrastructure and security, you know, trying to stop this from happening. And, uh, you know, it seems like almost every week if there's something, something's going on. So, um, you know, we talked before that, and I think the general consensus was that people didn't really think this was an actual attack against iRacing, but with, with them coming out now and saying that they are the target, um, that, that completely changes to me, that, you know, that, that changes the entire situation. Yeah, and, and some of that information I thought was interesting. They were talking about what are they doing to mitigate here. They said, yes, uh, we know what countries the attacks are coming from, but that changes. And they are blocking at a country level and an IP level. So they can say, okay, we're not expecting, we don't have any members in Afghanistan or Pakistan, so we're going to block those two countries completely. So they're doing stuff like that. Uh, they're mitigating at local and ISP levels as well. Uh, we use advanced gear that helps us detect and mitigate these attacks. And we've had discussions with just about all the market leaders in the DDoS mitigation uh, uh, business, which is a big business. There's a lot of players there. And I thought this was the most interesting part. He said, if this issue could be resolved by writing a check for a gear or service solution, I am certain that that check would be written. Yeah, so it's not so, about money, guys. No, it's it's not. You know, and uh, you know the the members need to understand that that they're working on this, and um, you know, it's again, it's like the analogy about you know having someone pay a thousand people one cent to call your cell phone. You know, you could probably figure out who a lot of those thousand people are, but trying to figure out who actually paid them is the problem. So, uh, yeah, I mean, one bad guy, and you know what? This DDoS stuff, I saw reports of it throughout the off week of NIS, and that was kind of one reason I was staying away from iRacing because I kept seeing, oh, the website's not working, you know, or whatever. Okay, so next up is iRacing will be coming down for a maintenance period, they've announced, and that will be the 21st, which is tomorrow. So uh, they got a little post-season three release that uh, they're going to do. I think this will be the third one, maybe? Or second. 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 should be the second, second hotfix. So, yeah, yeah, we don't have release it. notes yet, but uh, yeah, no release notes yet that I've seen. No, I haven't either, and I was, you know, they were so quick to get the uh, the previous build release notes out. I was kind of hoping that we'd have an idea today, if, you know, as far as what they're going to 
they're 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 fixing tomorrow. It'll be a surprise. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? It might be something to do with this DDoS. Who knows? Yeah. So I mean, if there's there's a bunch of stuff that that needs to be fixed. Um, you know, if you peruse the forums, you'll see it. So um, moving on to hardware, there was a post on the forums um, called "Water Cooling Goes Horribly Wrong." Yeah, this is kind of funny. Well, not funny, but there's a picture you posted mm. of uh man, it's flooded cockpit, you know. Uh I think it's a he's on a rug too. Yeah, apparently he's uh I guess he's in a basement and his sub pump failed and uh started to flood the basement. Uh he's got a nice rig and actually uses a uh a tub from a, I'm guessing an old cart car, but uh yeah, it's uh the carpet is completely saturated, and you can see just standing water. So, uh, you know, looking at the pitch picture, you know, my OCD kicks in because I'm all about cable management, and his uh, his rig makes me want to scream. God, you'd freak out then if he's on my desk. Oh, I can't, I can't deal with it. It's like spaghetti. It's oh man, that is pretty bad actually. <laughs> my yeah. worse. I mean, there's a little picture in the forum post, but if you click on the picture, it gets big, and that's when uh, that's when I get ear. I, I get uh, uh, the hair stands up on the back of my neck because I can see all the cables in the water too. That's what drives me crazy. Yeah, if you look on the right, there's actually a power cable in the water, and yeah, so, people, uh, you know, tighten your stuff up some and uh, make sure that sub pump's working. Buy a buy a pack of zip ties for ninety nine cents, really. It's easy, guys. I, I can even do cable management. It doesn't look too horrible. I got like 30 cords right here, just all over the place. I can't I can't deal with it. Let me come visit you. I'll tighten you up. Yeah, we'll fix that in like five minutes, right, Brad? <laughs> you know, I always start out that way, and then I add something, then I add something, then I, and then I got crap all over the place. Yeah, but when it's done, then you redo it. You kind of, you know, okay, I'm going to unplug everything from the computer and kind of rewire. Yep, yep. I mean, when I redid mine, you know, back in the spring, when I do my normal spring cleaning, and, uh, you know, I actually got this um, this plastic tubing that I have everything run through. So, you know, I have some on, of back, that. on my Abutta, I've got plastic tubing going down one side, going down the other, you know, and all the cables are nice and neat in there. All you see is two plastic tubes running down the back. That's it. Yeah, mine's not quite that tidy, but it's probably halfway there. I mean, a big problem I have with my setup is some of the cables are too short to be able to run them the way I want to run them kind of thing because they're yeah. three foot, six foot, whatever, and it's, you're just limited by that. So that was one reason I kind of put my computer on this kind of pedestal up over the pedals to get it closer to the monitor. So that would be less of an issue, but it's still an issue. You can go to monoprice.com and buy any kind of cable you want. Trust me. Get yourself a six foot or a 10 foot, whatever you need. I mean, like I said, it's, you know, my OCD kicks in. I just like it to be nice and neat. And, you know, it's, it's what it is. I should just take a picture of this and send it to you. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> Okay, in, in other hardware news, a UK-based company, ProSim, have more or less completed uh, testing for the latest prototype, uh, H-Pattern Queefy, 
Sim Shifter, produced in conjunction with Queefy Engineering UK. There are few details available. Uh, however, it's clearly mechanical-based design with the aim of accuracy and replacing the feel of what real-life automotive gearbox. They have a short little video of a guy shifting this thing. And other than uh, it not having any covers on it, but I guess that's so you can see how it's working. Uh, where do I send? Awesome. Where do I send the money? <laughs> I know it's pretty cool. It, I, uh, Inside Sim Racing posted this story, and so we'll give them credit for this. But boy, uh, the video is kind of speaks for itself. The it's a gear shift that's basically really mechanical. So it's got that feel of a mechanical shifter. Yeah, it's pretty neat. If anybody remembers from a few years ago, you know, Todd Cannon was working on one before he ran away with everybody's money. But uh, yeah, it's pretty neat. It's going to be expensive, so uh, get your checkbooks out. 1,000 British pounds he's trying to shoot for. It's loud. It's loud, too. So if you got somebody who's trying to sleep, if you're racing late at night, then you're not going to make your wife happy. Yeah, she'll hear that transmission. <laughs> oh, well. You can hear it shift as he, you know, changes gears and stuff. It's you know, it's a mechanical, you know, click from one thing to another, like like a a, a transmission would feel. It's like you're slamming it into gear. It's how loud it is. Oh yeah, I mean, I was thinking about you know, I think I've got the uh, the Fanatec um, uh, US shifter, so it's the sequential and the um, you know the seven speed. And that thing is kind of noisy, and I'm trying to picture myself running Sonoma, you know, with that thing in the, <laughs> in the video, and I'm like, oh my gosh, man, my wife would kill me. So it's like with the same thing with the mechanical keyboard. Oh yeah, just kunk, kunk, kunk. I, I like this product switches. because th there's nothing like it that I've seen, and this is the one thing that we haven't really upgraded as far as the package goes. I mean, everyone, we've, we have wheels that have been upgraded. we got pedals that have been upgraded. But nobody thinks about the gear shift, you know. Um, but, you know, this is an er interesting product, and we'll see where it goes. Yeah, I can, all I can say is that, that you know, the guys that, that get into the hardware, you know, it is, it is mind-blowing, you know, how much one money, two time that gets put into this stuff. I mean, there's stuff, we race with stuff that's nicer than what real race car drivers have. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see taking that little white ball off the top and putting the Hearst T-shifter on it. And <laughs> there you go. I'm ready. All right, the next thing in hardware, I stumbled across this place called 4Play. The number four, P-L-A-Y, racing, they have a store on eBay, and they have the 80-20 uh, cockpit rigs, as you call them, or cockpits, available, all pre-made uh, and ready for purchase. Uh, 800 bucks for a cockpit with triple monitor stand, and uh, it's built out of 80-20, and uh, this is a little different than... The other 8020 projects we've talked about before, where you can go on eBay and buy the the parts you need. You come up with a parts list. I need, you know, three, you know, two footers, and I need 15 one footers, and I need, you know, 26 inches, and and you build it yourself. But this is all put together already. So 
Um, you don't have to do the thinking and the planning and the project. You just buy it. But the you know the one thing that I do like about this and any really any eighty twenty is the how easy it is to expand. So when it comes time, you know I'm thinking in the next couple of years maybe looking at replacing the Obato and really want to get into something that I can get exactly how I want everything. You know what I mean? And you know what really caught me on this uh, product is the triple monitor setup. I love it. Because the feet go, they're really long feet, and they only go in one direction, the direction of the monitors, you know, because the stupid Obutto run, uh, Obutto triple monitor thing, and it is stupid. If the feet aren't long enough, and the thing, like, always wants to tip over. Um, but this is a much better design, obviously. Yeah, I've got the, uh, the Obutto Ozone, so, you know, my triple mount is... It was actually mounted to the rig itself. It's not a freestanding one. Yeah, you could blow on it. It would blow over. Wow. Uh, the only way, it, way mine stays up is it, it literally has to kind of lean against the actual Obutto cockpit. Even though it's not attached to it, it almost kind of has to lean against it just to stay standing. It almost be... Um... You know, worth it to even just maybe, you know, contemplate just replacing the, you know, the stand. The the stand itself, yeah. Yeah. And this one is very interesting to me, the way it looks. The other thing uh, I read on the forum, some people talking about this company and this guy specifically that runs it. You can call him and contact him from what they're saying, and he will customize and do whatever you need to do. He, uh, one guy was adding a fourth monitor up above, and another guy needed something else, and... And it sounded like he was very accommodating. So you could call and he could build you, you know, a, a, probably a cockpit to your specs is what it sounds like. But the one he's selling here on eBay that I have a link to is $799 US uh, Sim Rig Cockpit with Triple Monitor Stand for Play Racing. Yeah, like I said, it's really good looking stuff. And like I said, that's the. Uh... I think that's the, the road I'm going to go here in a few years. What do you you think you're going to build your own by just buying pieces, or are you going to buy something pre-made like this? I don't know. I mean, even to do something like this, the nice thing with 8020 is that it's just so easy to add on to and expand on. You know what I mean? So if you get something that's a good base, then you can do kind of do what you want to do. Here's the thing, and one of the reasons I picked the Obato Revolution was the, the keyboard tray and I work in my revolution during the day and that keyboard tray is very important you know because the keyboard and mouse need to be right in front of me and I can do that with this cockpit you know I'm not sure I can do that if I went to an 8020 cockpit you know maybe I could somehow retrofit this this particular keyboard tray I have on the Obutto onto an 8020 or something to that effect and well, and see, complete opposite. The only thing I use my rig for is racing. So to me, I would much rather have a keyboard that's mounted up at an angle, you know, where I can just reach over with my left hand and do what I want to do. I don't need it to swing in front of me or do any of that stuff. And that's the one thing I don't like about the Obutto, you know, is the the swinging cockpit. I mean, the swinging keyboard tray. Um, right. It's just not user friendly, you know, as far as racing goes. Yeah, different people, different needs, I guess, you know. Yeah, and that's what I said. I mean, that's kind of the neat thing with the 8020, and then some of the stuff is you can, you know, you can do it on your own and kind of get what you want to get out of it. So, I, like I said, not knocking a butt. I love my cockpit, and for for the 
an entry level something, you know, it's it's and even to the higher end, you know, you've got the revolution, I've got the ozone. Um, you know, the bang for your buck. That's the one thing. I, one reason I went with a butt is because you got everything. Yeah, and you didn't have to build it. Well, you had to build it, but you know, it came in a box. You had to put it together, but you didn't have to design it. Right. You know, and it was basically you know a. a all in one purchase. I mean, I looked at some of the other stuff, you know, like sim seats and different stuff, you know, and then you, you start to add on keyboard tray, you add on this, you add on this, you add on, and before you know it, you know, you've doubled the price and it's like, I can't do that. Yeah. One thing I noticed about this particular rig is the, uh, my, uh, pedals are inverted and this is a setup for, I think it looks like pedals from the floor. Again, you know, if he's willing to customize stuff, it's easy to build a box. You know, you basically just need, you know, a box, basically. To hang two square, from, yeah. Two squares on the end to, to hang them from, so. You could even use the same brackets we have, huh? Um, from what I'd seen with the people that have mounted, a little bit different. Um, well, probably could use your brackets. Mine are different because I'm on an ozone, but because uh, yours, yours basically... Well, it accommodates a round pipe. I don't know if it'd work on that 8020. I'm sure you could find something, but uh, yeah. I mean, I've seen plenty of them mounted on 8020 rigs. Yep. Yeah, I think if I was ever upgrading the rig, 8020 is probably the way I would want to go. This is the first time I've really kind of seen one that's put together by somebody, you know, and they're selling it that way, and it can be customized. So that's very intriguing to me, you know, so... Well, if you you know if you peruse the hardware forum and you'll see guys that post pictures of the rigs and I mean any of the ones that are the eighty twenty rigs to me just it's like oh that looks so nice you yeah know? all the good rigs all the best rigs are eighty twenty so you're right when you look at the pictures and the people that are spending a lot of money they're all running eighty twenty yeah because like I said it's easy you know you want to move something you can slide it you can change it you know there, there's a lot of adjustability in that um, just in the nature of the the material you're using. Now, in this forum post about four-play racing, one of the discussions was, I, I want an OSW wheel, but it doesn't fit on the Obato Revolution unless you buy the one, the small one that's available. I forget the name of it, but there's a smaller motor that's available that can fit on the Obato mount. Um, but otherwise, you really need to go to a different cockpit if you're going to do any of these other you know, open-source wheels. And uh, that was kind of eye-opening to me, too. You know, if you're on an 80-20 platform you can, and you buy a different wheel, you can adjust for it, like you're saying. Yep, yep. I mean, there's plenty of – I mean, you've seen – I've seen guys that have a mount of top side, underside. I mean, they're, I mean, it's just there's so much stuff you can do, you know, with the 80-20. Like I said, you've got the flexibility a lot more than something that's already prefabricated, like an Abutto or some of the other ones, you know, that are an all-in-one. Yeah, and that's kind of why I bought the main performance PC brakes uh, pedals because they had a specific solution for the Obutto. You know, they had Obutto brackets, you know. Yep, same here. That's why I have a pair hanging under mine. Right, because I didn't want to deal with drilling holes and mounting and trying to fabricate and weld. And, and you know, there's a ton of iRacers out there that do that kind of stuff when they buy new hardware. Not me. Nope. <laughs> okay, so that's it for hardware. Uh, next up, listener feedback. Uh, we ended up with uh, quite a few this week. Um, one of them was uh, Patrick Smith. Uh, just listened to the episode, first-time listener, like what I heard. Had some good information about a lot of things. All right, thanks, Patrick. 
uh, Eric God Godrot Drapro, I think that's French. Uh, first listener as well. Great podcast, well paced and good content. We'll stick around for future podcasts. Uh, there was another thread going on Facebook uh, on one of our posts about the podcast that had an entire discussion about the price increases that we talked about in iRacing last week with uh, several people weighing in on that. Uh, another guy on SoundCloud, uh, user 5704886656 said, love the podcast, guys. Keep up the good work. I look forward to it every week. And then uh, finally, we heard from Victor Jennings. Hey, a quick question. You said in the last podcast you were going to ask Tony if there was going to be 50% discount next month. Did he ever respond? Thanks, Vic. Love the podcast. I listen to every one of them. Uh, Vic, uh, we, yeah, we talked about that before. I never heard about the 50%, so I went ahead and made my purchase and took the 25 that they're offering uh, through the end of June. So that's probably my recommendation, unless you're going to roll the dice like Carlos. All right, so let's jump into final thoughts. Uh, Brad Miller, what do you got? Uh, good luck this weekend at Sonoma and uh, this weekend at uh, the Glen. Going to be road racing experts by Sunday. <laughs> we'll see. You know, in Sonoma, if in the NIS, it actually counts towards your oval I rating. I yeah. do know that. Kind of quirky. Gonna be a fun week for me. All right, Carlos. Final thoughts. It's gonna be a fun. Oh, no, I don't know. Um, just looking forward to Sonoma. Really, that's all. Like, that's all there is. And plus, I don't know. Fun, fun weekend ahead of us here for those six hours. Yep. Good luck uh, to Team Tafosi on the six hours. You're you're set up for two cars, right? Yeah, we're both we're just running two Corvettes. All right, and uh, good job, Carlos, on the uh, managing uh, the effort. And like Brad Wren was talking about earlier, it is an effort to put you know put together a schedule. It's kind of like herding cats, you know, trying to get drivers to commit to time slots. I know I had to change the schedule like four times this week. <laughs> well, yeah, we had some team, team members like myself who were initially going to race and then realized, oh no, I got something else planned and can't do it. And, well, six hours is a little bit easier to manage than 24. Yep. That's true. Especially going off estimates on time, you know. All right, Brad Wren, final thoughts? Uh, Sonoma. Not looking forward to this week. So, just like I said last week, if I could hook a chain on the back of Carlos, that'd be good. But he won't let me do that. So, uh, no, just uh, have a good week, guys. And, uh, get through here and head into the summer swing and kind of hoping for some good surprises maybe in this update uh, tomorrow. So um, there was a problem that I reported that they said it's going to get fixed. So we'll see if it gets fixed. And if it did, I'll talk about it on the next podcast. Nice. Well, my final thoughts are Sonoma. Um, boy, I'm wishing for a top 15. And that means 15th or 14th. I don't think I'm going to be better than that uh, when I say top 15. But uh that's my goal for the week of Sonoma, and we'll see if I make it. I usually uh, run off early or wreck or something, and then I usually am able to finish the race. That's kind of my pattern there. So I'm really going to focus and try to keep it on the pavement at all costs. 
and we'll just see. And, uh, you know, obviously looking forward to uh, the ovals coming up, especially Daytona. So with that, uh, make sure to get a hold of us. If you guys have uh, comments, uh, you can hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, or the website at iRacers Lounge. So uh, we'll see you later. See ya. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us at our YouTube channel at iRacers Lounge. Follow on Twitter and Facebook at iRacers Lounge and SoundCloud at iRacers Lounge. See you on the track. Thank you.